0: thanks for joining me this day uh we're gonna continue in our study of the attributes of god Uh, but before we start uh would you guys join me in prayer heavenly father we come to you seeking to know you more seeking to understand who you are more I pray that today we would grow in our faith and our knowledge of you, that your truths would affect us, that who you are would change us. I pray that our ears would be open, that we would be able to see clearly, and that we would love you more. Bless this time, Lord, as we submit it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So I have been given the task of wrapping up or doing uh, part eight of the attributes of God, which we are doing the omnipotence and the freedom of God. Yes, it worked. All right. Uh, so I'm going to continue in a, a similar format as what, what Ben's been doing. Um, we, we understand that God is, we're trying to understand God. And we, we break down how we understand God into uh, attributes, uh, we, aspects of God or ways that God has revealed himself to us that we can understand. Um, we, from there, we broke it down into two categories, incommunicable and communicable. Um, communicable, specifically, is where we're going down today, is attributes that specifically God has given us a derivative of. Okay, so we share in some way this attribute with God. Okay, and then we've gone through intellectual, sovereign, uh, moral, and summary. Uh, Today, specifically, we're going to start out with omnipotence. R.C. Sproul said this, For the Christian, God's omnipotence is a great source of comfort. We know that the same power that God displayed in creating the universe is at his disposal to ensure our salvation. He showed that power in the exodus from Egypt. He displayed his power over death and the resurrection of Christ. We know that no part of creation can frustrate his plans for the future. There are no maverick molecules loose in the universe that could possibly disrupt his plans. Though powers and forces of this world threaten to undo, we have no fear. We can rest in the knowledge that nothing can withstand the power of God. He is the one who is almighty. So to clarify, uh, omnipotence, Latin term, omni all, potens, power, powerful. So omnipotence, simply, all-powerful. Um, It's a pretty, pretty simple concept, but we're here to talk about it (laughs) because it's pretty deep. Um, Burkhoff describes it this way, the sovereignty of God finds expression not only in the divine will, but also in the omnipotence of God or the power to execute his will. Power in God may be called the effective energy of his nature or that perfection of his being by which he is the absolute and highest causality all right you guys got it all right we're good Um, Wayne Grudem says it a little bit more simply God is able to do all of his holy will okay there's a direct correlation between God's will and God's power okay I, I was really wrestling through how to explain this um, how to like what kind of imagery I could use to to help understand and uh, i I thought i 'd defer to the great uh, theologian Winarco and uh, <laughs> he had a a great little diagram here. <laughs> um, we see conscience desire. And I, I would also add uh, nature and character to that. But we, the, the person of who God is, that, or the, the, the nature, our conscience, the things that influence our will. And then we have the will being the, uh, the faculty by which the decision is made. Okay? So we have influencing into the will and the will being what actually makes the decision. So we see here omnipotence is the actual eating of the donut. So we go from the, being, in the, uh, being in the mind or the, the character in the nature. Omnipotence is the power being referred to of actually being able to pick up the donut and eat it. I, I, I got to confess on this. I almost used a picture of a pastor that will not be named that really loves Krispy Kreme, that I have a picture very similar to this. <laughs> I'll show you privately if you want to see it, but <laughs> um, yeah. So in essence, we have a basic flowchart. chart. And you guys are going get, to get used to my really cheesy clip art, so forgive me. But <laughs> uh, we have the nature, character, conscience, and desire that direct. And inform the will, where the will makes the decision that goes to the action. So we see this. These are the determiner of the decision. So this is the essence of where the decision comes from. Then we have the will, where the decision is actually made, and then the action of doing what's been decided. So w- there we go. Sorry, I forgot these weren't linked. Here we go. <laughs> All right, so the action of doing what's been decided. Um, What I want to, to make sure we understand is, like we said, this is a communicable attribute. This is something that is shared with us in a derivative form from God. So God is omnipotent, or he has all power, but he has given us power. What I want to do is kind of flesh that out and what that what that means. Um, so as God created humanity, he has endowed us with all of these same things. We have a nature, a character, a conscience, and desire. We have a will. We have the ability to act upon that will. You guys following me? Okay. So when... Say a guy like John decides he's going to go and pick up a lot of weight. He has the ability to do this. He has, by his nature, his conscience, his desires, he says, I've decided I'm going to pick up that weight. And he does it. He can do that. That is an expression of power. Okay? But if you're like me, I'm more like that. <laughs> I can't lift up all the weight. I have a limit to my power. Right? I can I have I can lift up some things, but I can't lift up everything. So as as we understand that we are limited, we 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 try to do things like this and we can't. Where God is not limited. Then when we try to do things more than we can we b- pretty much all end up like this at some point crushed under the weight of what we cannot do so so the distinction here is we have the ability to make decisions we have the ability to do god is unlimited in his ability to do it all like we said it all flows from the character the nature desires, and conscience. That's, so everything that flows from that through his will, he can do. Tracking with me? All right. Okay. So what I want to do is look at some scriptures. Um, Psalm 93.1, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Job 42, 1 and 2. Then Job answered, The Lord said, I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours is thwarted. He can do all things. Scripture teaches that God can do all things isaiah 14 27 for the lord of hosts has purposed and who will annul it his hand is stretched out and who will turn it back we're again god has the power to do something there's nothing and no one that can turn that back okay We, we still we still tracking okay So we see that these are God's power proclaimed by God's people. Now we're going to look at God's power revealed in creation. Um, Genesis 1-3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let that one sink in for a second. I, I really want us to think about that, that God spoke. And it was. That God said and it happened. That's power. That is beyond, I think, our comprehension to some extent. Uh, We as finite beings, we, we have the ability to see things in this world, but to see something come out of nothing is really... It's really mind-blowing. Isaiah 45.7 I form the light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all of these things. Isaiah 45.18 For thus says the Lord who created the heavens. He is God who formed the earth and made it. I am the Lord. There is no other. Again, he is the creator. If his power has created what would not be if it were not for him expressing his will to create. The will of God expressed in action has created the earth, the air, the light, the darkness, and you and I. It is by the power of his word that we're here. revealed in Christ mark four thirty nine he Jesus spoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm when's the last time you, any of you guys went fishing or went out on a boat anybody anybody do that you guys at least there's one other weird person. Okay. I don't do it very often, but still. Um, on a boat, things are kind of rocky. It's, really, it's hard to be, feel stable and secure. Um, and imagining a huge storm and waves crashing, and can you imagine getting up, standing up, and saying, peace, be still, what would happen? Not much. (laughs) I I, probably is probably going to be mad at me for saying this, but when Dylan was a kid, um, he was about three years old, and we would go to the beach and play in the water. And he would be, you know, just a little guy like he's able to run around. And then, like a wave came and it knocked him over, and he got up and with the most indignant voice looked at it and said, "Stop." And guess what happened? Another wave came in and knocked him right back over. (laughs) He didn't have the power. He didn't have the ability to stop anything. He didn't have the ability to stop some water. But Christ did. He spoke, and it happened. We, we need to understand the, the distinction in, in this idea, this uh, creature versus creator, that we, we both have power, we both have will, but there's a major distinction between the two, that omnipotence is all power, that all power belongs to God, not to us. see the power of God revealed in the gospel. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. We'll get more into that in a minute. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the word of God for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but, for, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then finally, Mark 10, 27, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Mark 10, 27 is specifically talking about salvation. So often when we think of, of the power of God, we, we quickly go to you know, creation. We go to God's power over the nations in, in uh, the Exodus and how he's, he's able to have power over nature and the, the wind and the waves. But he has power over salvation. He is the God who saves He is the God that not only says he will save, he is the God that actually saves. That his will is enacted in our salvation. God cannot be hindered. That the the power of God is beyond anything that we can imagine. It is above any contemplation that we can have. We can sit here and think about it all day, but the bottom line is nothing can stop God. And that plays right into the next topic of freedom. Our God is in the heavens, and he does whatever he pleases. What the next topic is, is freedom, which is Still in the same topic of sovereignty, still in the same conversation of will and omnipotence. Um, and, And I'll explain this a little bit more, but Wayne Grudem does a pretty good synopsis here. God's freedom is that attribute of God whereby he does whatever he pleases. This definition implies that nothing in all creation can hinder God from doing his will. This attribute of God is therefore closely related to his will and his power. Yet this aspect of freedom focuses on the fact that God is not constrained by anything external to himself and is free to do whatever he wishes to do. There is no person or force that can dictate to God what he should do. He is under no authority and no external restraint. Okay. So, in a nutshell, we, we know that the power of God is God being able to do all that he wills. We, we see the, this basic flowchart. So, out of the person of God, where we deal with his nature, character, his consciences, and desire, it flows through his will. It informs his will, and he acts. Okay. The idea of freedom is is the idea of, is there something that interrupts that? Is there some sort of outside force that limits God's ability to act? So what I want to do again is that we're we're talking about a communicable attribute. So I'm going to talk about it in two ways. So one from a from a human perspective and then from God's perspective so again humanity has a derivative form of freedom we however do not have autonomous free will we do not have a freedom that is unhindered by any outside force we Actually, I'm sorry, I'm going to backpedal for a second because I feel like if I don't say this, it, it could be confused. Um, we have a nature, character, conscience, and desire similar to God. Are, are you, you guys on the same con- wave link here? However, we ha- our conscience, nature, character, and desires have been tainted, corrupted, twisted, and deformed by sin. So when, when we're talking here is that we, we have a driving force inwardly that prevents us from doing what we ought to do. Okay, We have a sinful nature. We have corrupted character. Our consciences are not correct. They're broken. Our, our desires are twisted. So we're, we're starting from... A sinful position. Okay. When we're talking about freedom, it's it's specifically in the context of outside forces. So when we get into the outside forces, I, I just I didn't want to leave that out. Is that when we as we're discussing this, there are internal forces as well. That's just not part of this direct topic. So internally, We have sin to deal with. We have our rebellion. We have these uh, issues internally that prevent us from doing what is right. Okay, so there's the gospel, and there's all kinds of issues that flow from that, and how we can do what's right through Christ. and There's all kinds of things through that that we can discuss, but that's not what we're getting into. But when we're discussing freedom, I felt like I needed to at least bring it up. In, in this context, specifically, we're talking about outside forces. So let's say as a person, as, as a, a person that is uh, thirsty, I have a desire for water. Okay? I, in my will, decide that I'm going to get a drink of water. But I'm in the middle of the desert. I do not have the ability to create or take something that is not there. I don't have the resources. I don't ha- I, I'm not able to drink that water. Even though my desire and my will is there, there's an outside force pre- preventing me from doing it. Okay? Um, we, all, we all, not all, but we all drive. We all, have, we all live in Southern California. Um, Somebody decides to go to work and leaves and gets on the freeway and they're sitting in that. They have the will. They have the desire. They attempt to go to go to work and then they sit on the five freeway for four to five hours. There, there's an outside hindrance to what they – to take into action – what it is that they've decided to do that they've willed to do they don't have the power to complete it or let's let's take another example Um, let's say there's a young man who uh, decides that he is going to marry that girl that he is going to buy that ring and he goes to her and lets her know that that he's going to marry her and she looks at him like that I'm glad Katie didn't look at me like that. (laughs) But we we have, now we have a man that has the desire, the will, and he is going to implement that will. And now we have another will that is not on board with that. (laughs) That there is now conflict in the wills. So both wills are not going to be met. There's the inability to follow through with that. There is a hindrance. There's an outside force that is preventing the freedom of the will. Make sense? Okay, so now we're going from human to God. So God takes a little bulldozer and pushes that little wall out of the way. There is nothing that prevents the will of God, the action of God. So there's a lot of things that come through this. There's a lot of questions that come out of this. Um, One of the things I really feel that we need to discuss is this is is one of the key areas of disagreement that we would have with our Arminian brothers and sisters. Um, They have this concept that... The human will is a wall, a barrier, that would prevent the will of God from salvation. Okay, so they believe that you know, God in his nature desires to save, that God's will is to save, but they believe that the human will would be a force that would prevent that from happening that the human will can subvert the will of god in the decree of salvation this is where we would disagree that god's will will prevail that there is nothing that would prevent god from fulfilling his decree the 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 idea the doctrine or the 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 idea of the attribute of the freedom of God is that there is nothing that can constrain Him. There is no opposing will that could push back in a way that would prevent God from achieving His purpose. God can do all of His holy will. We, we talk about we we see the do in the action. There's nothing that can prevent that action according to his will. And that includes the human will. And we're going to look at a couple verses. Uh, Job, we, we looked at this earlier, Job 42, 1 and 2. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And then Romans 9, 15 and 16 for he said to moses i will have to mercy on whom i have mercy and i will have compassion on whom i have compassion so it depends not on human will or exertion but on god who has mercy do we see that that we have our will and our energy Completely juxtaposed to the will of God and the action of God. We have God who's saying, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, as opposed to the exertion and human will. They're, they're put in such a way that there's no question that it is by the will and the power of God, in the, ca- directed by the character of God and the nature of God through his desires, that he will achieve what he has set forth to do. So, when, when we're there's all kinds of questions about that, and we've talked about that a hundred times in, in other uh, arenas here, and we can continue that. But the, the main point I'm trying to get at is God is free. There there is a difference between an autonomous free will and the free will of man. And often that free will of man is is elevated and uh, exhorted to such a place that we think that our will is equal to the will of God. Or that our will is somehow able to thwart the will of God. And it's not the case. God is sovereign. God is able to do all that he wills to do. That in his sovereignty, all of those things work together. And we've discussed them individually and tried to, to help explain their individual aspects. But they all fall under his sovereignty. He is the king. We are not. He is in the heavens and he does Whatever he pleases. So I, I, I know I, I went through these kind of quick because there's, there's something that I, I wanted to, to do. This being the last, as far as I know, the last of this series. Why does any of this matter? Why are we talking about these things? Um, I, I, I know, I mean, Ben's done an amazing job. Um, and he's a lot more heady than I am, <laughs> and he's he does a very uh, good job of explaining the depths and the riches of God, and you know the, the other people, other men that have come up and, and taught. We're doing our best to to show the perfections of God and and the way that He has revealed Himself to us, and. And we're spending a lot of time on this. We, we've spent over three months, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we actually started this in January, uh, going over the various attributes of God. We, we've gone over the existence of God, does he even exist? We've gone over the incomprehensibility, uh, the assayity, the self-existence, or, and the eternity of God. We've talked about omnipresence and immutability. We've talked about truthfulness and faithfulness of God. We've talked about the wisdom and omniscience of God. We've talked about the will and decrees of God. And and today we talked about uh, the omnipotence and freedom of God. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of heady stuff. And and I want to sincerely ask why. Why are we doing this? Are are, are we doing this to, to puff up our knowledge? Are we doing this to... Try to just, as, as some intellectual or, or philosophical theological exercise, why are we doing this? I, I would propose to you simply because we are trying to know the God who is, not a figment of our imagination. We are trying to know the one true God. The God who has revealed himself in scripture. We as as God's people, we we have repented of our sin. We've we've trusted in in Christ's atoning sacrifice. We we trust in Christ alone for salvation. We we seek to faithfully follow him. We, we do these things, but too often we we make God too small. We, we make God something less than what He actually is and, and This is a serious issue, and this is part of this is why we're doing this in in that when we make God Small, we create a false God. When our faith is predicated on who he is, our faith is only as strong as the object of that faith. Let me say that one more time. Our faith is only as strong as what the object is of that faith. What are we putting our faith in? If our God is little, if we have a puny God, we're going to have a puny faith. If our faith is predicated on anything less than the God as revealed in Scripture, that if it's anything less than the God who is, then our faith will be fragile and weak. But as our understanding grows, as we take these truths and our knowledge and our understanding of who God is becomes more and more conformed to the God that is, then that faith grows proportionately. Now, instead of a puny God... We have an all-powerful God. Instead of a God that we don't know and can't know, we have a God that's revealed himself to us in his word. We have a God that has shown himself faithful. We have a God that shows us that we can trust him when we don't understand. We can follow him when we can't see what's around the corner. Our faith is solidified by the truths of who God is. It's all rooted in who God is. So, why do we spend all this time doing this? Why do we care so much about knowing God? Because it's not just a philosophical, theological exercise. There are real consequences to our beliefs. There are real consequences in how we understand who God is. And our job as we come and teach, as we preach, is to encourage the believers, the followers of Christ, that our faith would grow that we would be equipped to do the work that God has called us to do, to be faithful to the God that loved us. As I understand that he, is, that he is good, as I understand that he is eternal, that I understand that he is omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent, and as I understand that God is faithful, I can trust him When he tells me that while you were sinners, I died for you. I can trust him when he showed his love for us on the cross in action. That his holy, sovereign, and omnipotent decrees will be fulfilled that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it if god is not faithful then we have nothing if god is not true we have nothing if god does not have the power to do all that he says we have nothing and all we do here every sunday is meaningless I don't believe that I believe God I believe that he has revealed himself in his inerrant word that he has shown us who he is that we might know him more that as we pursue him as he has saved us, as we continue to pursue him, that we will be more and more conformed into the image of Christ. And in all of this, I, I would encourage you, and I, I think the guys that have taught this every week have done a good job connecting this in, in how this how they play out practically, but as we're wrapping this up, I really want to encourage you that these truths ought to have meaning in your life. That if we believe these truths, that they should change us. That, they sh- that we should be radically different than what we were before we understood. Before we knew. That if we truly grow in our faith and our knowledge of Christ and who he is that it ought to play itself out in our lives. Our lives should look different. Our lives should be radically changed and be radically changing. This is why we do it. And this is why we need to continue to seek God and his truths but we need to be careful that it doesn't become philosophical that it's not just head knowledge i, I can't and have no intention of going through all the possible applications to these uh, these truths in your lives this is This is part of what we what you need to be studying through and you need to be working through and seek counsel and and encouragement in the word and there's there, there's a place for that but There is application. And in in all of this, I I just want to wrap up with, since I specifically given um, the omnipotence and freedom of God, which are really wrapped up in his sovereignty of God, that we would remember in this life we're going to have troubles. We're going to have tribulations. But when we go through those trials and tribulations, the sovereignty of God is what gives us rest. And I'd encourage you all, as, as you continue to think through these things and, and think through all of the, the different topics that we've covered, that there's real application, that there is real practical meaning, and pursue it. But not just for the, not just for the, the moralistic change. It's all connected. As you grow in your your love of God, as you grow in your knowledge of God, as you grow in your pursuit of God, your life will be inevitably changed. As you are given a new heart and new passions, and you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, pursue him. Pursue him. Pray with me. Father, as we try to wrap our mind around your perfections, as we try to grasp the depth of who you are, we're humbled. We're humbled by the fact that you even chose to create, that you even chose to love, that you chose to reveal yourself to us, that you chose to die for us while we were sinners, that you chose to make yourself known to the world that rebelled against you. I pray, Lord, that by your word, the power of your spirit, that we would grow more and more in love with you. That our desires would be changed, that the sinfulness of our nature would be destroyed, that we would be glorified with you, Lord. But we know that as we are here on this earth, we are not all of what we should be but we know that you are making us what we will be. Thank you for your faithfulness, for your compassion, for your mercy, that from outside of time, from all eternity, you are love. That you are holy, 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 you are the creator and sustainer of all things. Help us, Father, as we continue in this life to to grow, that our lives would be changed, that we would be made more like you. We praise you and give you all glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.